So, are you DTFF? Drinking and talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. And welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday. We are live. We've got Nate with us this evening, special guest. We are talking the draft. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was describing the draft to coworkers and family members as second Christmas. Because that's how excited I was for it. How about you guys? Do you, Is it like second Christmas for you? Because that's what it was for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I was telling people that, you know, Christmas isn't even Christmas. This is Christmas. Uh, I mean, really- chronologically, this is first Christmas, really. So I think that's it should really get that true. feeling anyhow. Uh, uh, but regardless, I think for a lot of people, this is like Christmas and birthday uh, combined and maybe throw in like Arbor Day just for good measure. This, this is a whammy of a, of a weekend for folks. Yes, I, I was just giddy with excitement for it, as, as I'm sure a lot of us were out there. Uh, oh, I just I just can't even. Uh, it just made me so Are happy. Are you so mentally drained from the draft that you can't formulate sentences now? I, I am. Because I understand. I, I get I it. I am. No. Yeah. So... As I said, we, we, we brought on our special guest this evening, Nate Christian. Nate, how are you doing, sir? I'm I'm doing great. I you know I'm I'm com- coming off this high of the NFL draft. I'll be honest, it was a roller coaster of emotions. Um, it was a lot of disappointment with a little bit of excitement overall. I was disappointed in the uh, NFL draft just for fantasy football, um, but. I can never go wrong with having three days of the NFL draft, you know? Mm -hmm. True story. Yes. So uh, we brought Nate on this evening because he is the Debbie expert, all things for the Dynasty Rewind uh, podcast. So if you haven't checked them out, they're actually happening right after our show tonight. So uh, go check that out if you want to hear more great analysis from Nate. But uh, so, yeah, brought brought Nate on for his expertise. Uh, And of course, I've got my... Most favorite, my only actually co-host, Jake Trowbridge, <laughs> with me. Uh, you really dampened it down. You were on this track to say like a really sweet thing for once, and then you had to put in the caveat right there. Everybody knows you didn't have to call attention to the fact I'm the only one. You could just said, said the nice thing, but you did. You I am sure you've got a big enough ego as it is. I can't let it get any bigger. Now yeah, we know it. he's your favorite and he's your least favorite. Yeah. The, oh, God <laughs> damn it, you guys. I'm putting, I'm turning my screen black. Uh, so uh, before we get into talking about the draft, and I'm really interested to hear uh, why you thought it was so disappointing. Um, let's do our beer review and our drunk trade of the week here first so our beer this week uh is pale from the crypt this is a nice pale ale hailing from liquid gravity brewing company out in california uh, it is a very tasty beer jake do you like I just, it the can totally gets me it gets me the name of it the can of it the whole thing it's just wonderful um, if if might... you're too young to remember Tales from the Crypt, that is the reference point here. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks might be just under that age bracket, but it is delightful regardless. Yeah, I was just going to say that just for those 
folks out there that happen to be younger than us that wouldn't remember the show. I loved it as a kid. I was probably a little bit too young when it was on, but still one of my favorite shows. I loved how creepy it was. It was awesome. Yeah, he had that creepy skeleton host guy Mm -hmm. who uh, was supposed to be like the comedic value of the show as well. Uh, And I I still don't know as a child like how that really worked, (laughs) but it did somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it did. Yeah, this is a very tasty beer, very crushable. I could drink this all day long. No problem. All goddamn day. It's not as hoppy as I thought it would be, but no, yeah, uh, which it I says like. right there. It says on the can. It says happy in really big bold letters. So I was <laughs> I was a little nervous. But Nate, sir, are you imbibing anything tonight as well? I am. I was actually waiting to crack it open once we were live. So oh. I'm gonna go ahead and do that. I love you oh. for that. <laughs> so this is uh, called Pool Hopping. It's a deck beer. It's uh, by Flying Dog Brewery, which is a local beer uh, company here in Maryland. But, I mean, they're just about national now. They're, mm-hmm. they're pretty big. Uh, it's an IPA, which I'm not a huge fan of IPAs, but this one's um, uh, this one works for me. Um, if you have, I don't know if you guys are on untapped at all. I'm mm-hmm. on untapped. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So I have a very strict rating system. Uh, I kind of overall hate the five-star rating system for anything in the entire world because everyone's like, oh, it's good. Five stars. That doesn't make any sense. Makes literally zero sense to give everything five stars. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, a good average beer is two and a half stars, right? Okay. So just for a reference point, for me, a two and a half is Yingling. You know, I like Yingling beer. It's like a very average beer for me. I can drink that any day, all the time, um, but it's nothing incredible. So that's kind of my placeholder for two and a half. Um, This being an IPA, it is a 2.25 on the five star rating scale. Wow, you are a, a harsh critic. Mm-hmm. Now, can I, to talk to your earlier point here, we have to go into this because the the rating scale, notoriously, I am the everything is a four and a half star beer. I tell Dustin like, well, I'm, I'm drinking this and I'm not actively gagging. Four and a half stars, Dustin. But I am I am restrictive with the five star usage. I do at least have to mention that one takes a real rarity for me yeah. to give. So. Most of mine, though, it's like if I give something four stars, it might as well be garbage water. Yeah, and I'm, I fall right in the middle of you two. Uh, my like average rating, if I think it's a, a solid beer, is like three and a half for me. Um, four is like you know it's it's really really good. And then yeah, I don't think I've ever rated a five star beer. Uh, just because I've never rated a five star. Just beer because I mean, it's I mean, that's got to be like drinking unicorn piss or something. It's got to be just delicious. <laughs> it's literally like the perfect beer and I yeah. haven't found it yet. I do have one that I've rated four point seven five. Um, it was I'm a big fan of dark beers. Oh. So that's actually the Alberto Coffee Porter from Slate Farm Brewery, which is a very small brewery, actually local. Um, that coffee porter literally tastes like drinking black coffee. And I love black coffee. Ooh. So it was such a smooth drink. It was pool so that, that's the highest beer i've ever rated oh that sounds delicious nice. i hope none of us ever actually find the five-star beer though by the way because you want you want the search to continue mm-hmm. once you yeah. found it you know then then what i mean i guess you could just get to keep drinking that amazing beer but it's, it's the journey is what i'm getting at here mm-hmm. speaking of journeys look at this segue that i'm about to do here dustin i think this submission for this week's segment is a journey into itself yes <laughs> So let's do our drunk trade of the week here. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. Hit us, Jake. 
This was a real reach for a transition, by the way. I thought it sounded so good up here until it came out of my mouth. But this week's drunk trade comes from Pat Baumgartner on Twitter. So, in lieu of this being a rookie-centric episode, I thought mm-hmm. it was important to find a rookie-centric drunk trade here. So Pat says, pulled this one off pretty slammed on the Super Bowl. He now gave up a lot, he feels, to receive the 104 rookie pick for this year. So sent away the 109, the 112, and the 210 to get the 104. Now for context, this is super flex, 12-team league. So he thinks he gave up a lot. I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say in regards to this. Um, Nate, do you think that this is a lot for him to give up for that 104? Yeah, so hit me with it one more time. The 104, and he gave yep. away... He gave away 109, 112, and 210. Um, I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, I don't think it, you know, anyone got fleeced in this example. Um, if he needs a, if, if he needs a quarterback, that was a good trade to make. Um, if he's looking for like Najee or Jamar Chase at 104, then I would have liked the, the package. But if he's looking for a quarterback, hoping that, you know, maybe at 104, he can get Fields or Lance. Um, you know, if one of those top three quarterbacks drop, cause you know, Lawrence isn't going to, um, or maybe if he really, really needs pits. I mean, but I think the, the quarterback value is there. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. Dustin, yeah. are you on that side? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm act- This is actually a fairly fair trade. And uh, I'm actually in the middle of my first uh, rookie draft of the season right now. And uh, some of the trades that were going on are offers, you know, trying to move up in the draft. I was trying to make a similar move up to uh, early on. And, you know, was, that was about what the going rate was. So uh, I, I think it was pretty fair. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of uh, throwing out the 210 here just because of what the massive drop off is really anything for me from what I've seen in my rookie draft so far it just feels like everything beyond the mid-second round is it's just everybody getting their guys anyhow in very specific ways so you Mm. look at well it's the 109 it's the 112 sure there are quality players there I think at least we'll find out more about this later on in the episode but uh, yeah the significance there of the 104 I, I really liked now for more context he also had, still after that trade, the 101, the 107, and the 111. I didn't want to put that in there and cloud this context too much. but So he can get his Trevor Lawrence at the very top if he wants it. Still have maybe a Kyle Pitts at 104 if he chooses to go that route. Get a quality running back, maybe ETN or something, 107, and a background pick. So I, knowing that, I like that trade even more. Yeah. Does that mm-hmm. change anything on you guys? Yeah, no. no, it just makes me like it even more. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought it was pretty fair before, especially if you're looking for a quarterback. Um, you could do a lot worse than having Trevor Lawrence and one of Fields or Lance as your top two quarterbacks in the Superflex League. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nice. All around, Pat. Great job. Great yeah. job on this drunk trade. We don't get to say that too often, but <laughs> truly, uh, I, I feel I feel you should feel good about this. So Yeah, if only um, I could make uh, drunk trades that well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should be uh, chatting with Pat here prior to our own drunk t- trades. We yeah, should no keep him pulled up and, and bookmarked here for our reference <laughs> if we find ourselves in that situation. All right. Well, before we get into the meat of the episode, dive into these rookies hardcore, do just want to point out that this week's episode of DTFF is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com. If you sign up using promo code DTFF, 
They will match your initial deposit up to $50. There's plenty of sports to have over there. It doesn't have to be football for you. And if if you're just really wanting the football, it's coming back pretty soon, honestly. But you should go over there now. Go ahead, make that deposit. Try your hand out. Dip your toes in the water with some of the other sports action that they have there. It is a super nice setup, and you won't regret it. No, you I'm, won't. Just, I'm just going to say I love Monkey Knife Fight. Uh, I did really well on Monkey Knife Fight uh, this NFL season, so... Definitely recommend. Nice. Yeah, it's a Ringing lot of fun. endorsement from Nate. Yeah, I, Dustin, I don't know. I think you did pretty well. I didn't do that great, but I had a great time doing it. Yeah, I started <laughs> off hot and then cooled off as the season went on. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, gives that little extra oomph into the games, uh, as if you need it when you're playing fantasy football. But no, it's fun. Super easy. What's not to love about it? Not a damn thing. That's what Dustin. <laughs> That's right. All right. So let's get in to talk about these rookies. Um I would like to hear just overall, you, you said out of the gate here, Nate, that, that you were disappointed in the draft overall. Uh, just why don't you expand on that a little bit here for us? Why, why are you so disappointed? Yeah. So if you look at the draft this year, you know, I think it was just really weird to start off because of the COVID season, players opted out, you know, Big Ten only played six games and it was at the back half of the season. Just a lot of weird stuff going on. Games were canceled. Um, so, Already, all the prospect evaluation was off. And, you know, I thought this year, you know, the tape would really, you know, show what teams would want. You know, maybe analytics wasn't as good this year just because it was less to analyze from a numbers perspective. But uh, honestly, the NFL draft just threw both those things out the window and just uh, kind of played like Russian roulette trying to pick the players. Um, after, like, the second round, I realized, hey, <laughs> all these running backs and wide receivers – are dropping like rocks. There was a lot of offensive linemen picked. There was a record amount of defensive backs picked. I went back and there was 59 defensive backs, or cornerbacks and safeties, picked in this draft. And I think the previous high was like 51. And it's only eight difference, but like, you know, you do that, you do offensive linemen, that was a lot. And you start picking up these other positions and all the skill positions just fell uh, a ton. And then when the skill positions did come in, you know, fourth, fifth round, they weren't the guys we were expecting. I mean, just... Some of these guys that pop up here, you know, you got guys like John Bates. I'm a Boise State fan, but John Bates is not, you know, a top five tight end off the board. Um, he's a guy that was probably should have been an undrafted free agent. I mean, he might be a, you know, a decent blocker for someone, but I just feel like a lot of these picks didn't make sense um, from a team building perspective. You know, the Rams went out and got like three wide receivers. Uh, why? I have no idea because they just signed Woods and Cup two extensions and just drafted Ben Jefferson. So, it just makes no sense. I just think the NFL just literally threw darts this year. <laughs> well, I always think that we believe going into every draft that we know sort of the tier of players that is going to be selected in which round. And every single year, there's at least a couple of players that really throw us for a loop. But yeah, to your point, like just if you're only sort of simulcasting the draft with your Twitter experience, the amount of shock and downright uh, appalling nature of some of these picks for people on Twitter, I think, shows this was much more significant than other years. Yeah, as we get into more of these picks, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to have to really vent. Oh, and we're here. We will for be it. here for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is my venting show. I'm so yes. excited. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's not waste any time. I, I can see you want to just just let it all out. So uh, starting in the first round, first three picks, I. 
think were pretty much what everyone expected uh, with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance going off the board. Um, any surprises there for you, Nate? No, actually, the first six picks I thought were pretty chalk. Um, mm-hmm. It just and also surprising that the first six picks were fantasy football relevant positions. Um, I doubt that's ever happened before. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I will admit I was a little surprised to see Jalen Waddle, uh, Miami trade up for them or for them for him. Uh, but you know, very good player. Uh, immediately uh, gives them a dynamic player on that yeah. that team. Uh, there was were... a lot of a lot of rumors going around about a week or two before the draft that Alabama had Jalen Waddle as their number one wide receiver and that they were looking to reunite him with Tua. And uh, I bought into those rumors real hard. And I did my mock draft uh, the week before the NFL draft, and I gave the the Dolphins Waddle. I mean, it just, from what it sounded like from the beat reporters, they were all about Waddle. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so then um, since the first pick, first six picks were pretty much what we all expected, then uh, we got Devonta Smith coming in at number 10 to Philadelphia. Now, Ken... I, I I have feelings about this because it seems like Philadelphia is where wide receivers go to die uh, over the last few years, and they just drafted very high last year um, with Rager there, and now they bring in Devonta Smith. So is he going to be that impact player they need on that team? I think so. I think Devonta Smith could be the top rookie wide receiver this year. Um, I think he could have a Justin, Justin Jefferson-type rookie year. Um, he's that pro-ready. He's that versatile. He can play inside, outside. Um, he can make the contested catches down the field. He can also, you know, take screens to the house. He was my wide receiver one before coming into the draft. Um, the most talented guy I saw on tape. You know, Jamar Chase was right there with him, but I, I do think that Devonta Smith was the most talented. And the Eagles spot, I understand, like, I get it. It didn't really excite me. Um, I'm not a huge Hurts fan, but, you know, I think he's decent enough that he could support um, a good wide receiver, especially a guy he's played with before. There's some chemistry there. Um, you know, the whole first round was like a big party of just reuniting <laughs> quarterbacks with their, their playmakers. But Devonta Smith, you know, he's by far a better player than Jalen Rager, I think, and much better for Jalen Hurts because um, he's going to be open and Hurts can throw to him. He'll take the ball after the catch and, you know, get some extra yards. Uh, I, I like it a lot. and I think he could have a very, very good rookie year. Yeah, and you made an interesting point there that there seem to be a lot of skill position players teamed up with their their former uh, college teammates. Do you think that this is something that coaches will be looking at a little bit more, uh, especially early in the draft, uh, uh, getting those those high level either quarterback, wide receiver, uh, running back with the quarterback paired up just because there is that familiarity with them? I hope so. But it kind of pisses me off because I wanted this last year with <laughs> CeeDee Lamb to the Arizona Cardinals, and it didn't happen. And I, that's like all I wanted last year. I really just wanted CeeDee Lamb reunited with Kyler Murray. It didn't happen. And then we get all these you know, combinations pairing. And I'm just kind of disappointed that we didn't get it last year with CeeDee <laughs> Lamb and Kyler Murray. That would have been so good. That would have been fun. Is it, is it almost just because of the lack of scouting maybe that it happened more this year? If like, Quite Well, possibly. I don't know. We've seen it work before. We don't want to really tinker with this because it's been such a weird COVID season. Like you said, maybe let's just throw them back together and hope for good things. Yeah. I which mean, makes some good sense. That, that makes sense. You know, the Bengals, you know, all the reports were that Jamar Chase was, you know, being talked up by Joe Burrow. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, no, he was, he knew he was going to the Jaguars for the past three, four months. So I'm sure he was in Urban Meyer's ear about Travis Etienne. So yeah, I, th- I think they're going to take it more into account. You know, if a, the face of your franchise wants a player, 
Um, you're going to give it to him unless his name is Aaron Rodgers, and then you don't listen to a single thing he says. Uh, duh, we don't need to bring that up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a. Then you got to go out and cut Jake Kumaro or whatever his name is. <laughs> Kumaro, you say it. Kumaro. You say it right, Nate. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, next pick here was Chicago taking Justin Fields and as a Packer fan I don't like this pick for the Bears uh, just because I do believe that this is their quarterback of the future here Uh, very good pick for them Uh, and it scares me now that they could actually have a quarterback that pairs up with those other offensive weapons on that team Uh, if Nagy can just get out of the way I feel like this could be uh, offense that really steps up and and makes some noise uh, this season what do you think yeah um I think the defense of the Bears, as long as it stays solid, you know, it's going to kind of limit Justin Fields' upside just because he probably won't get into a lot of shootouts. But, you know, he has that rushing upside, so he doesn't need, you know, 300, 400 passing yards a game to, you know, be fantasy relevant. Um, instantly, he's probably the best quarterback that Allen Robinson's ever played with, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of sad. I feel bad for Allen Robinson, but, you know, that's a testament to his ability because he's been like a wide receiver one for most of his career. Uh, playing with not a lot of great quarterbacks. But um, I love Fields to the Bears. You know, I think he sits for a little bit behind Dalton. I think Dalton's a very serviceable quarterback, especially for that team with a good defense. But Fields to the Bears definitely gets me excited for Allen Robinson, but also gets me really excited for Darnell Mooney. Um, Mm -hmm. I like Mooney a lot. I liked him last year a lot coming uh, out of the draft. But I didn't like Andy Dalton with Darnell Mooney. I didn't you know Andy Dalton doesn't scream, you know, down the field passion to me, but Justin Fields does. So uh, I'm I'm back on the Mooney train. Right on. And then next we have Mac Jones um, going to New England. Oh, I don't know how I feel about this one. I'll be honest. Um, it just with Cam there, and I know Cam's obviously not the future, uh, but they, I feel like they have just two totally different styles uh, yeah. for offensive play and it's going to be interesting to see how that, that shakes out. Do you have a feel for that? Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I almost expect Mac Jones not to play at all this year. Um, Cam Newton gives the Patriots the best chance at a playoff run. So he's, they're going to stick with Cam Newton until they're out of the playoffs, and then they might throw Mac Jones in. You know, if coming into you know the last couple of weeks, they're you know looking at like six and eight or something like that. You know, Mac Jones might get some play. But I think it'll be good for him to sit behind Cam Newton not that he's not pro ready, but you know, with that team, unless Cam goes MVP level, that team is not ready to compete, mm-hmm. uh, like legitimately for a Super Bowl. So you know, it works to keep Mac Jones on the bench. You know, he's a first round pick, so you got the five year contract, and uh, just surround him with some more weapons next year and go for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the next pick here which I think was probably one of the more surprising picks of the first round. Uh, Kadarius Tony goes to the Giants at 20th overall. Now, I know leading up to the draft of the week or so before, uh, there there was a lot of chatter about him kind of breaking into the first round, but I think a lot of folks expected him to go much right towards the end, maybe to your Baltimore uh, Ravens yeah. here. Uh, but going at 20, uh, is this a good fit for for the Giants? I know I know they just brought in Galladay um, and, and Tony seems more of like a slot guy. Uh, so it's not like they play the same position. Um, yeah, I think it gives them a nice one-two punch with those guys. And uh, somewhere in there you have Sterling Shepard and Darius Lane. Uh, not sure where that looks like. Um, Galladay is the X and Tony is certainly uh, the Y. But the question is, who's the Z receiver? I mean, it's probably Sterling Shepard. I'm not sure if Slayton uh, is going to be playing over there across from Galladay. But 
I, I, I understand why it's a reach. You know, I don't have Kadarius Tony as a first round pick in my book, but he is a playmaker. And there's, you know, there's only so many of those guys out there that you can give the ball to and something, he'll make something happen. Um, he's very early in his development. He was a quarterback in high school, uh, didn't get a lot of run at Florida. And then when he did, uh, whether because it just took him long to develop or maybe, you know, something else, he, he looked really good last year. I mean, you can't deny he looked incredible in tape last year. So it is a reach in my book, but I kind of like it. You know, I think, I think everyone's kind of talking down on him and we're going to have to at some point come back around because he'll be a value at some point when we're pushing him down to like the end of the second round in one quarterback leagues. I mean, I, I, I don't think this is my bold take that I'm not so uh, bold about, but he reminds me a lot of Brandon Ayuk last year. He's the forgotten first round pick at wide receiver. You know, Brandon Ayuk was falling to the second, uh, late second last year because no one cared about him. And now he's, you know, one of the top guys from that class. I think Kadarius Turner is going to be something similar. Uh, I don't have him highly as rated as Ayuk, but, you know, first round draft capital, you, you can't deny it, man. So mm-hmm. you got to take a chance on him at some point. Yeah. So realistically for his career, maybe over the, life of his rookie contract here uh you know with dynasty we don't want to look out too far uh what do you realistically think his ceiling is wide receiver three wide receiver two yeah i think you know he's a guy that's going to need a lot of volume um he's not you know that down the field threat really you know like a like the kenny galladay where you know he can have 70 catches but still have you know a ton of yards and touchdowns he's a guy that's going to need volume and he might get that i mean i don't think kenny galladay is quite dominant enough to, you know, take over everything in that offense. So at some point, I think he has the potential to be a wide receiver too, but I think more realistically, he's going to be kind of that wide receiver three, wide receiver four on your team, um, either that wide receiver three or a very solid flex. So, mm-hmm. All right. I do just want to ask real quick because that team, and you mentioned Galladay not being so much an alpha that it's going to be impossible for for him to get work. And it almost, that offense is starting to read to me a little bit like Pittsburgh where there's an, I don't know the one a versus one B, you know, situation and potentially Sterling Shepard can still be very valuable. I think, does this give you hope? Like, does he, does that selection give you hope for Daniel Jones or does, is that not really factoring into any of this? Um, I mean, I guess it does. I've never been a big Daniel Jones fan, but at the same time, I've never, you know, hated Daniel Jones. I've kind of just, stayed out of the argument and I don't have any shares, but I mean, overall Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony and uh, Saquon coming back. I mean, it's all up and up for Daniel Jones. And I think he's worth taking a shot on for one more year because this is his make or break year. You know, they put guys around him. Um, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with Drew Locke this year. You know, those are two quarterbacks. This is the year to do it. And if not, they're, mm-hmm. they're history. I mean, they're going to be Mitch, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is a backup for Josh Allen now, uh, even though he was like a top 10 pick. So, I think that's Drew Locke, Daniel Jones. This is the year they have to do something. Otherwise, they're just going to be back. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Well, Sam Darnold has his fifth-year extension already picked up. So, I guess that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then um, we'll just round out the first round here real quick. Uh, Next off the board was Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh, which I think we can all agree is a great fit. Uh, Yep. Not a better landing spot for him, probably. Uh, Then Travis Etienne, which was I know was a big surprise for a lot of people out there, which I'm sure you have thoughts about. Uh, And then Rashad Bateman going to your Baltimore Ravens. So Love uh, that pick. (laughs) So why don't you hit us first with the Etienne pick? Yeah, um, this one one shattered me on draft night. 
Um, As a lot of folks out there. <laughs> I, I, I was sitting here in the couch watching, and my wife was next to me, and they made that pick, and I just like started like yelling and just out of nowhere. Um, I just couldn't believe it. Um, number one, from a fantasy standpoint, I mean, it sucks for both of the players. Um, you know, at best, you have you're hoping for like an Ingram Camara situation, but from a team building perspective, it makes absolutely no sense to me. The Jaguars have a ton of holes on their team. And they have a cheap, really good running back. Why would mm-hmm. you spend the first round pick on a running back? Um, I'm not even going to get into like the fantasy aspect of it because I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Etn's talented; he's going to catch passes. So at the end of the day, he has value. But just from a team building perspective, it makes no sense. Urban Meyer thinks he can just run a college offense in the NFL. That has never really worked before. So good luck to him. Mm-hmm. And then your boy Bateman. Uh, yes, is is he going to be the the guy now for? Lamar Jackson, outside of Absolutely. Andrews, maybe. Absolutely. Um, he's going to be the top target on the team, I think, from day one. Uh, I comp him a little bit to Keenan Allen because of his ability to play inside and outside. And I think that really fits this offense. You know, if they had drafted a bigger wide receiver, I don't have a name because this year kind of lacked big wide receivers, but um, if they had gone, say say if they had gotten like a Allen Robinson or a Julio Jones, you know, those guys are going to play on the outside the entire time. And I don't think the offensive scheme with Baltimore really benefits, you know, an outside receiver for fantasy football. But Rashad Bateman's ability to play inside and outside will let him work within that offense to, you know, always be efficient, always get the opportunity. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I think he is also a great value in these rookie drafts. People, you know, don't like the landing spot. And I get it. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever have a wide receiver one season, but I can definitely see him being a very solid wide receiver too. Uh, for a long time mm-hmm. and you need those on your team you can't all yeah. have wide receiver ones it's like sometimes i'm scrolling through twitter and it's like oh like this guy like hey he won't have any chance like he has a one percent chance of hitting and like hitting is a top 24 receiver and i'm like if you're never going to have eight of those guys on your team so mm-hmm. you need flexes let's like we should <laughs> we should have a different way of looking at these guys mm-hmm. like you can't only have wide receiver 20 top 24 receivers it's just you're it's always going to be disappointed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like looking for the five star beer. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Can we dust it really quickly? I don't want to jump around beyond this, oh. but since we're talking about Ravens with Mr. Ravens here, I do just, I'm curious because they also added Tylen Wallace mm-hmm. a little further down the draft board there. But now there are two, I think a lot of folks, at least what I was seeing on Twitter, seemed like Tylen Wallace was going to go much earlier than that. So he fell to the fourth round. So Bateman, Wallace, on the Ravens, besides just unbridled excitement, which, of course, you know, feel free to exude. (laughs) But beyond that, I mean, what's your expectations for that sort of new one-two punch there then? Yeah, I I did not expect Tylen to fall nearly that far. Um, So Rashad Bateman was my wide receiver three in this class. And then Tylen Wallace was my wide receiver seven. So for him to be picked in the fourth round, uh, kind of blew my mind, and I'm really glad the Ravens picked him up. Uh, they've always had a good uh, best player available approach to the draft, and it's worked out very well in the past. And sure, they didn't need to pick a wide receiver again after Bateman. I think they have a decent enough core to work uh, work around. But having Tylen Wallace, you know, only does great things. You know, I think he's a starter at the next level. I think he can be a very solid NFL player. I think being the wide receiver two slash three in the Ravens offense kind of hurts him. In his dynasty outlook, fantasy football, it's just not going to be a lot of volume, unfortunately. Uh, I think, you know, Hollywood Brown isn't going to necessarily take a ton of targets on the team, but he'll have his share for sure. So 
I don't see Tylen really becoming a, a bona fide wide receiver too on that team. I think he'll never, you know, surpass Hollywood Brown to kind of be equal um, after Rashad Bateman. So it sucks for fantasy football, but as a Baltimore Ravens fan, I love it. Uh, you can't you can't do much worse in the fourth round than Tylen Wallace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right absolutely. All right, then we'll move on here to the second round. Uh, kind of a quiet round as far as skill position players went. So starting off, we have Elijah Moore going to the Jets, which can I say, I feel like the Jets had a great draft this year. I I really do. And they're really building that offense to be something exciting uh, in in the next few years here uh, with, with the pieces they had last year, they picked up and now obviously this year. uh, So I really like that spot for him. I think that was a very good pickup for them. Um, and then this this is one that I was a little surprised with coming in next year. Uh, the very next pick was Javante Williams uh, going to Denver, immediately going into a timeshare this year with Melvin Gordon. And I, I believe this is Gordon's last year under contract. Yep. And I know he's technically doesn't have any outstanding you know legal issues with that uh, DUI he had, but you never know. The NFL could decide to impose its own. Uh, rules here so Javante Williams it's what do you see for this season in in the timeshare with Gordon and then for next year then and and forward is he is he going to carry that backfield I love the Javante Williams pick I actually talked about earlier this offseason how sneaky good the Denver Broncos was for uh, a running back landing spot and I think by week nine, Javante Williams is the starting running back on that team. I think Melvin Gordon gets phased out pretty quickly. Uh, he's going to fall off a cliff just because we've seen running backs at that point. Uh, you know, unless they're Ezekiel Elliott, they, they fall off a cliff. So um, I'm not expecting a lot from Melvin Gordon this year, especially now that Javante is there. I think he, he gets a lot of work on first and second downs right away. And Melvin Gordon kind of becomes the pass catching back, uh, kind of split out of the backfield and on the first couple downs. But by the end of the season, I think Javante Williams is going to have, you know, 70, 70% share of that backfield. Um, so he's not a guy I'm looking at long-term. He's a guy I think can produce this year. Um, you know, if he's your wide, if he's your running back three or four, um, by the time your playoffs roll around, he'll be a, a very, very solid flex. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've seen Melvin Gordon here kind of hit, hit his hit the cliff so to speak yeah. uh you know he's always just been a volume guy he's never had the great mm-hmm. yards per carry um and aside from his rookie season where he didn't score any touchdowns he's just kind of fallen into the end zone and and scored yeah. a lot of touchdowns so yeah it's not we know who t- melvin gordon is yeah, at this right. point is yeah weird. we do yeah. <laughs> yeah for better or worse yeah so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out um and if Gordon actually stays healthy, I know he's been dinged up uh, recently and had some injuries. So it uh, could happen sooner than you think uh, for all of us in fantasy. And then next, uh, Rondale Moore goes to Arizona, just adding another weapon to that air raid offense. Um, I think he can be the Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella replacement there, or what we had all hoped they would be, I should say. Um Outside of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green, uh, he's probably going to be that number three there, at least this season, and then probably next year move into that number two role. Because I can't imagine A.J. Green sticking around more than a year, but you never know. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm not super impressed with A.J. Green. Um, So I'm going to say Ronda (laughs) Moore is a a kind of similar situation to Javante Williams, where I think a lot of these rookies, we saw this last year, you know, First half of the season, you can't expect too much out of them. 
Um, even a stud like Jonathan Taylor, first half of the season, you know, it's not that impressive. But by the second half of the season, they've, you know, got their practices in. They're starting to, you know, the game's starting to slow down for them. Rondell Moore, I think, is going to be the starting slot receiver uh, right away. And they're also going to use him out of the backfield. He'll be on special teams. He'll be on sweeps, screens, you know, all that. Cliff Kingsbury is going to get him the ball. Um, you don't you don't draft a guy this high, especially with his talent and his yards after the catchability, uh, without knowing that you're going to manufacture touches for him right away. Um, so being the starting slot receiver for the Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray offense, I'm all about it. It's going to be a lot of targets, I think, and he's going to be very efficient with those targets. So I'm all about Rondell Moore to this landing spot. Honestly, there wasn't too many better landing spots than this one uh, in the entire draft. I think I think this was just about a perfect landing spot for Rondell Moore. We probably didn't talk about it too much. We kind of talked about like Saints or like the Packers or like the Jaguars to kind of, you know, be that Curtis Samuel role for Urban Meyer. But Arizona Cardinals, this one worked out really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It feels a little bit like folks with the Cardinals are forgetting how high powered of a passing offense this is supposed to be. Yep. Just a little bit in part to the recency bias of Kyler Murray being dinged up last year and they were not throwing it as much as they mm-hmm. had intended to. And I don't know if people are fully ready for the volume increase there, uh, but get ready because yeah, I am very excited for Rondell. Also, um, let me ask, let me ask you, Jake. So you said there's going to be a volume increase because they're going to pass the ball more. And you know, to just to double down on that, let me ask you who the starting running back is for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> it's obviously well, going to be a lot of passing downs. It's going to yeah. be so much passing, almost exclusively to a point, especially after the injuries take hold in the backfield, which mm-hmm. they will. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. at, but no, it, it truly is ridiculous. Like Kyler Murray is going to be their leading rusher probably this year um, and uh, going to pass for like 5,000 on top of it. So yeah. I'm pretty excited. I'm going to throw up my super deep sleeper out there for Dynasty Leagues. Um, Jonathan Ward. On the Arizona Cardinals running back uh, out of Central Michigan, I believe, last year, undrafted free agent, made the team because he played special teams. And, uh, you know, Benjamin was the seventh round pick last year at running back. He was a healthy scratch all year. Jonathan Ward played over him because he played special teams. By the end of the season, he did have a receiving touchdown. Jonathan Ward is a, a guy I think is going to be the running back three on that team. And you start talking about injuries, you know, Chase Edmonds not being a workhorse running back. Jonathan Ward. You know, you got this guy on your bench uh, really far down there in deep leagues, and he might give you a couple of flex weeks. Mm-hmm. I actually picked I him like up uh, late last season uh, once he got activated off the practice squad. Because was yeah. he on the practice squad for a while? He was, yeah, yeah. for the first like four or five weeks. Yeah, at least. yeah, yeah, I picked him up because I listened to smart people like you guys over at the Rewind. So <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, let's move on to here. The next two picks uh, I kind of want to get into just because I, I've not sure how I feel about them, and I'd really like your your perspective. So Pittsburgh picks the number two tight end off the board with Pat Fryermuth. Uh, they don't really use the tight end a ton, or we haven't seen it recently uh, with Big Ben. Um, and we have um, this Ebron is still there. Mm-hmm. So how do you see Fryermuth fitting in in that offense, or is this more of like yeah, a I long term? Mean- yeah, you know, Ebron's there. I think he's there for one more year. And Friar Muth, I kind of always have comped him to like a Hunter Henry or a Zach Ertz, you know, a guy who's not going to really stretch the field, but, you know, can get a lot of first downs and, you know, needs volume to be a good fantasy tight end. Um, now that he's on the Steelers, maybe I'll comp him for a throwback to Heath Miller. Um, 
you know, he's going to be a great blocker. He's going to help that offensive line out. You know, we talked about Najee earlier. Uh, we have some concerns about the Steelers' offensive line, but hey, you got a good blocking tight end now because uh, Ebron is not that. So, Frymuth there, you know, he's going to be on the field a lot just to block. I don't know if the volume's going to be there, especially rookie year. But going forward next year, they're going to they they shouldn't have Juju again. Uh, Ebron will likely be gone. So Frymuth being the third option in that offense, you know, if Big Ben's there or somebody else, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty okay with it. Um, it's maybe not the best landing spot. I was really hoping for the Colts, honestly. But uh, I'm good with the Steelers' landing spot for Pat Fryermuth. All right. And then next, this one, I think for me, was probably one of the bigger head scratchers uh, with Dwayne Eskridge going to Seattle in the second round. And I know they were kind of devoid of draft capital this season, too. So to see them take a wide receiver when they've got their two studs already on the outside, uh, in which they just give a big extension to um, Tyler Lockett. Thank you. My brain. You saw the brain fart happening. Uh, (laughs) uh, So what does Seattle see in this guy that they would draft him in the second round? I don't really know. Um, I'm not a huge Dwayne Eskridge fan. I will say he showed up at the senior bowl and did pretty well. The NFL this year really relied on the senior bowl. Um, Like the senior bowl helped a lot of players out. If you didn't go to the senior bowl, you really hurt yourself. You lost a lot of money out. Um, the guys that showed up to the senior bowl made a lot of money. Even the guys who weren't even good at the senior bowl, just because the scouting this year, you know, teams didn't get to have scouts on the ground at all the games. So being able to go to the senior bowl was a big, big help. And it shows up in this draft a lot. Um, but Dwayne Eskridge, I don't really get this pick, especially in the second round when you already have Metcalf and Lockett, uh, signed. It's like kind of similar to what I was saying with the Rams earlier with picking all their wide receivers. It's it's is a good NFL player. I think you know he'll he'll thrive in that wide receiver three role. He'll have some big touchdowns. He's a you know a deep threat. He had four four speed, but honestly, he's probably faster than that. Um, so I think he's going to be good in his role, but he's I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy football player as long as Lockett and Metcalf are there, mm-hmm. unless the okay. unless they start throwing the ball forty five times a game. Which we know they want if, to be if run Russ first. Russ gets so. his wish finally. <laughs> Same Russian. question for Tutu Atwell, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Los Angeles yes. Rams literally the next pick down. It's like these teams that are already abundant of of wide receiver depth are taking these guys, and I don't know how to feel. So Tutu goes to the Rams. Is there any path for t- for Tutu? I'll I don't even know what to say about Tutu Atwell. <laughs> this guy, you know, you could cornerbacks are going to like just yell at him. He's going to fall down because he's 155 pounds. <laughs> um, he was getting first round hype at the beginning of the off season by Daniel Jeremiah. And when Daniel Jeremiah says someone's getting first round hype, it means that someone in NFL front office likes the guy. I didn't get it. Um, in, on my book, he's a sixth round talent. Wow. Um, he's electric. He's fun. But he's five foot nine, 155 pounds. He's not going to hold up at the next level. Um, he's not that great of a wide receiver. He was a f- really fun to watch college wide receiver, but even as a wide receiver three in this offense, I don't see how it's going to work out for him at all. Um, this is a guy I'm definitely dropping. And I think most people are, um, I think, you know, he's, I'm in a one quarterback rookie draft right now and he's still available in the fourth round. So, you know, at some point you think, Oh, second round draft capital, we got to take a chance on him. But I, I don't see any upside for this guy. It's not going to be you. It's not going to be yeah. you taking the chance on him, it me. sounds like. No. 
Yeah, it, it sounds like he could be used kind of like uh, how Tavon Austin was used back in the day. Uh, special teams kind of gadget plays, try to get him into space and, and let him work since he's got that that agility. But yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like that's about it, though. Uh, I wasn't impressed with this yeah. one. I don't think anyone was, let's be honest. <laughs> but at least he went to the Rams, you know. If anyone can use them. It doesn't matter there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then rounding out the second round here, we've got Terrace. Terrace. Yeah, I said that correct. Marshall Jr. Uh, going to Carolina. And then Kyle Trask, the heir apparent there in Tampa Bay, uh, backing up Tom Brady for the next five years, probably, since Brady's never yeah, going to retire. He'll straight to the 49ers. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thoughts on either of those before we head into the third round here? Yeah, I was surprised that Terrace Marshall fell as far as he did. And I think a lot of people are, and a lot of people have been, um, you know, dropping him down in the rookie ranks because he didn't go in the first round or at the top of the second. But he's reunited with Joe Brady, who was his offensive coordinator in college. Mm-hmm. And Joe Brady can definitely support three wide receivers. He did it last year with Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Uh, he can definitely do it again. And Terrace Marshall is a really good receiver. He can be used inside outside. He's six foot two and a half. Uh, he's a deep threat. So I like his fit in this offense a lot. Um, he might not be a top rookie wide receiver his first year, but, uh, as soon as Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore move on, um, I'm really about this guy. Uh, and he has the ability to kind of probably push one of those guys out. I'd probably say Robbie Anderson, not DJ mm-hmm. Moore, but, um, yeah, he's he's really good, and I don't think we should be sleeping on him just because he fell uh, probably about thirty picks lower than we expected. Also, he did have a medical issue that kind of came up right before the draft. Um, he had some leg injuries in high school and like his freshman year of college. He had an ankle injury uh, that twenty nineteen season with Joe Burrow. So some lower body injuries that kind of gave him a medical red flag, and I think that's why he dropped. But I'm not worried about it. Okay. And then third round here, we'll, we'll go through the third round. And then after that, we'll kind of uh, just let you pick the players you want to discuss after that. Uh, we don't need to go through all seven. That'll get a little long winded here. And let's be honest, we, we won't care We're towards the end uh, for fantasy purposes. So uh, starting off the third round, couple quarterbacks off the board. Uh, Kellen Mond goes to Minnesota and then Davis Mills goes to Houston. Thoughts on either of those quarterbacks uh, long term? Yeah, um, Kellen Mond is an interesting one. He's very much of a project player. I don't really think that the Minnesota Vikings is a place for him to develop, though. Um, just, I don't feel like there's a quarterback whisperer there. You know, I feel like this was, this would have been like, remember when Logan Thomas was drafted by Bruce Arians a couple years ago as a, you know, total project player? I think it was like sixth, seventh round. Um, it's kind of Kellen Mond. He's kind of a, I would say Logan Thomas, his quarterback was a poor man's Kellen Mond. Um, all physical traits, no actual quarterback ability, really. So we'll see what happens. I'm not really about Kellen Mond to the Vikings. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is there for another couple years, and they draft a different quarterback to replace him. Uh, Davis Mills is interesting, though, just because of the whole Deshaun Watson stuff. You know, it sounds like Watson's played his last snap for the Texans, or at least for this year, according mm-hmm. to Adam Scheffner. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to be too excited about it. I think Tyrod is a serviceable enough starter. Tyrod could start the entire season and then they could draft someone next year. Um, so, uh, I, you know, this, the top five quarterbacks are fun for this draft, but after that, I really honestly don't care too much. Well, you know, uh, Jake and I were talking about this before the show that Tyrod's only good for like two games. 
you know, whether he he gets injured, whether he injures himself or the team doctor injures him, uh, he only plays a couple games and then allows the rookie to come in. So uh, Davis here will be playing sooner rather than later later this season. I'm calling it now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I like your steadfastness in in holding to this narrative. It's nothing nothing against Tyrod. I actually like Tyrod. I think he's a decent, (laughs) you know, quarterback he just keeps getting screwed over and yeah. uh, for whatever reason and i just you know got to play the narrative <laughs> yeah tyrod has a special place in my heart you know former raven uh we drafted him and there was a time that he came back in a preseason game and it's one of the most exciting football moments in my life so uh he'll always have a special place in my heart that's right. You hold those memories near and dear, um, as we do with our Jeff Janis memories in Green Bay. You don't have to explain <laughs> it to anybody else. It's just for you. Dustin, I did want to cluster this one little group here together okay. in the third round. Some of these guys, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't care about Hunter Long in Miami. <laughs> I just don't know. Nate, maybe you do and you can, you no. can interrupt me here. But I'm curious about these wide receiver, uh, this cluster here that happened in the third round. So you have Josh Palmer going to the Chargers. You have Dynamy Brown going to Washington. Amari Rogers goes to Green Bay. Nico Collins goes to Houston. That's a cluster of four wide receivers I think people are going to be staring at, especially in their rookie drafts, probably pretty close together there. Yep. Is there a standout amongst that bunch for you? Uh, if I had to go with one guy like more than the other, it's probably Dimey Brown. Um, I know that he's comes in as a wide receiver three behind Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. But I still like Dimey Brown a lot. I think he has a lot of potential to grow uh, into more than just a field stretcher. And I'm not completely sold on Curtis Samuel's usage with Ron Rivera. Um, it was exciting last year, but that was because Ron Rivera was not there. He's now back with Ron Rivera, and we all know that disappointment for the last uh, three years before. So I'm not all about Curtis Samuel, so I do like Dimey Brown to Washington, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. Um but I like this group. I like this group here, and I'm happy taking a shot on any of them. Um, Amari Rodgers is a very solid slot receiver. Kind of reminds me of a Debo Samuel. You know, he's a big, bigger and kind of runs like a running back after the catch. Uh, Josh Palmer, another Senior Bowl standout. Once again, going to the Senior Bowl makes you money because this guy's from Tennessee. He had no hype before the Senior Bowl. Um, absolutely killed it, and now he's a third-round pick. Um, that's a great landing spot, too. Mike Williams is going to be on his way out next year, and... Keenan Allen's not super old, but he's not super young either. And you got a stud quarterback back there. So I'm about Josh Palmer this year in the third round of rookie drafts. Um, and then last but certainly not least, Nico Collins of that group. There's not too many players in this draft class who are big, strong, and fast. Nico Collins is um, one of the guys from Dynasty Rewind, Matty Big Chest. He is like the number one Nico Collins fan. I think he serves him Chipotle like every other weekend or something like that. <laughs> so that's why. Um but yeah, Nico Collins, he has that alpha profile uh, physically. And I don't know who's throwing the ball, if it's Tyrod, if it's Deshaun, if it's Davis Mills, if it's uh, somebody else who's there. But outside of Brandon Cooks, who are you throwing the ball to? So I'm all about Nico Collins. Uh, he could be a very solid compliment to Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then probably one of the biggest surprises of the third round here was Trey Sermon uh, going to San Francisco. Now, I've heard differing opinions on this 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 is good for him or it's a great landing spot uh running backs in the shanahan offense you know they just just fantasy gold uh, he's he's good enough that he will take that job over and it won't be a shared backfield but then i've also heard the flip side where it's like 
it's they like to use whatever running back they have. It doesn't matter. He's just going to kind of get lost in the shuffle. Which side of the coin do you land on there? Yeah, it's a hard one. You know, I, I would like to think that, you know, you take a guy in the third round and you're like, you're going to give him the keys to the, mm-hmm. to the workhorse. Well, and role, they right? traded up for him, which says something, too. Yeah. But at the same time, we saw, you know, NFL teams make stupid decisions all the time. So um, I like Trey Sermon, though, to the 49ers. Uh, I don't think he's the workhorse this year. There's just too many people there. But the majority of those running backs are free agents after this year. And Trey Sermon fits that scheme really well. I like, you know, he has speed, he has power, he has a little bit of receiving upside. Uh, I like to comp him to Chris Carson, actually. Uh, I think he has a slashing, powerful running style that Chris Carson shows off in Seattle. So I like him to the 49ers. The 49ers is going to be one of the best landing spots for any running back that was taken day one, day two. And we got one. So I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, we'll just, like I said, we'll kind of pick and choose some players here as we're going through. I don't oh. want to leave the third round yet. Oh, because oh, oh, sorry. There's a tight end I really like, and there's a tight end I really hate. And Hunter Long's <laughs> not either one of them. So okay. Tommy Tremble to the Carolina Panthers, I think that is an incredible landing spot. Uh, Tommy Tremble's very fast. He's very physical, an incredible blocker. Uh, he's going to be on the field a lot. And the Panthers have been talking about trying to get an upgraded tight end. We'll see how relevant that is to the passing game. But like I said, he's going to be on the field a lot. Joe Brady offense, Darnold, you know, you like the idea. Tremble is low, low, low in your rookie drafts. Definitely worth a stash on your practice squad because Ian Thomas isn't it. And then on the flip side, Trey McKitty caught six passes last year. Now he's a third round pick <laughs> for this Los Angeles Chargers who are like, oh, let me replace Hunter Henry with this guy who caught six balls. I, I don't get it. I hate it. I absolutely Hate it. It's Donald Parham season, baby. Oh That's what God. it is. He's going to go in there. He's Jared gonna Cook is going to just annoy us for another year. Uh. <laughs> I always forget he's on the team. You're right. You're yeah. right. So, so watch out next year when the San Diego Chargers draft a tight end. You know. uh, we can only hope for that offense. <laughs> All right. And then the uh, moving into the fourth round, if that's okay with you, Nate. Yeah. No, okay. We're, we're okay. Good okay. I got, good. I got my I got my thing out. All right. Good. Uh, first few picks, I think, could be fantasy relevant. And then we'll just kind of, like I said, pick and choose. Uh, I'll kind of leave that up to you to lead the conversation on who you think is uh, would be good value um, here as we move on. Maybe some good sleepers. Yeah. Someone you can pick up in your third, fourth round uh, of your rookie drafts. Or maybe they won't even be drafted that you think, you know, could have a chance of hitting. So I know these first few players here with Michael Carter, Des Fitzpatrick, and Amon St. Brown. Um all I think have some fantasy relevance this year um, with Michael Carter. Sorry, LaMichael P. Ryan's just not going to be a thing. I think I know, I know uh, it, at, at, at best. It's a shared backfield. Um, Des Fitzpatrick is going to slide in for Corey Davis there um, in theory. Um, either that or AJ Brown is just going to be uh, the next Devonte Adams and just at every pass throwing his way. And yep. then uh, with St. Brown, um, going to Detroit, they were in desperate need of wide receiver help there. Um, seeing how as Quintez Cephas, uh, which we all love. Uh, don't get me wrong. We, we love that guy. But uh, him as your number one on the team, they obviously needed some help there with the wide receiver core as well. So um, what are your thoughts on those three players? So Michael Carter, 
I love Michael Carter. He was my running back three coming into the draft. Um, unfortunately, he landed in the only one spot I didn't want him to land in. I was after day two. I was like, "Well, Michael P. Ryan, it's going to be a little Michael P. Ryan season." I am so ready for it. I have so many shares, and uh, Michael Carter ends up there. So it's it's going to be. Uh, we talked about Ingram and Kamara earlier. Uh, this is the uh, like discount rack version of Ingram <laughs> the and dollar Kamara. store. Yeah, the dollar store. The dollar Ingram store. Exactly. Um, I, I do like Michael Carter a lot. And I think by the end of the season, he probably does have that backfield. Um, but the fourth round draft capital really does worry me. Uh, once we get to day three picks, those guys, I mean, James Robinson had one of the most incredible undrafted free agent seasons of all time and a first round running back, you know, got picked. So Michael Carter could have an incredible season. But if there's a guy there next year in the second, third round that they like, you know, the draft capital just doesn't give me the security that I want for Michael Carter. Um, well, Michael P. Ryan was a fourth round pick last year. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to look out, look into dynasty and be comfortable with that. But I do love Michael Carter's talent. So, um, still about him, even though he's with my stud, Michael P. Ryan, uh, Des Fitzpatrick, like you said, slotting right into the Corey Davis role. Cause there's no one else there unless you're a huge Josh Reynolds fan. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe Josh Reynolds is the first half of the season. Des Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. is the second. Des Fitzpatrick is another senior bowl riser. Um, did very well in the senior bowl. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, by waiting until the fourth round to pick a wide receiver, the Detroit Lions have cemented themselves as the number one landing spot for the 2022 draft for wide receivers. <laughs> um, I'm expecting them to go pick someone very high next year uh, along with their quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm in Ross St. Brown. I think he fits Jared Goff well. Uh, he can kind of play that Cooper Cup role with with him, uh, you know, with those short intermediate routes. But I think that's kind of his ceiling. Uh, not his ceiling is Cooper Cup, but I think his ceiling is that kind of receiver. Um, he's going to need a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Um, and then a guy that had a lot of uh, hype last season, or had he come out last year, um, is Chuba Hubbard, uh, what many expected to be a first round pick, uh, at least for rookie drafts, uh, maybe yeah. not an NFL first round pick, but you know, definitely that round two, maybe round three, um, falls to the fourth this year and goes to not a great the landing, landing spot. spot, the worst landing spot for a running <laughs> to back. Carolina. Uh, who do they even have there though? <laughs> that's really going to cause a concern. Uh, probably one of the more diff- disappointing landing spots uh, of, of the draft this season. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it, it's kind of wait until the second contract uh, type thing for him, maybe. Um, I think all the hopes and dreams we had kind of washed away yeah. there. Um, He's going to be the new Alexander Madison, you know, one of the top handcuffs out there. Um, which is just going to be frustrating because he's going to sit on your bench for most of his career. But he'll have a couple weeks where he's a RB1 mm-hmm. when CMC's out. Uh, so if you want that backup, grab him. But otherwise, yeah, he's just going to be a wasted space on your roster for 15 out of the 17 weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. So it really puts a damper in my Chuba the Tuba shirts that I was going to have <laughs> made up. So that's a double bummer there. Yeah, really. <laughs> you can still make the shirt and wear it, just not publicly. Yeah, just better. for that one game where he starts. <laughs> I am curious here because... We obviously want to be cognizant of your time as you get ready to go on to your second show. I'd, Dustin, if you don't mind, I'm very curious because I'm in the middle of some rookie drafts right now. Mm-hmm. I know that you are too. There's these late round guys here. So in these your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, maybe even a couple of undrafted guys. I don't know. But there's these guys who these names pop up and I think, mm, 
they've, they've got a chance. And a couple of names that I'm thinking of right now, Kenneth Gainwell went to Philly in the fifth round. He's running back. Mm-hmm. Amir Smith-Marset, wide receiver, goes to Minnesota. There's a couple of names there. I'm like, ooh, maybe these are late-round dart throws. Are those guys or are there other later-round picks where you're thinking, I'm going to go after these guys in that late third, fourth round? Yeah, so Kenneth Gainwell, he's talented. Um, I always kind of had him as a receiving back only. Um, and you can have that role with the Eagles possibly, but I don't know, fifth round draft capital, you know, at best he's going to have a Boston Scott kind of season, you know, where he's good if Miles Sanders isn't there, but otherwise it's pretty limited to some receiving work on the side. Um, if they decide to play him out of the slot, because he did play a lot of wide receiver with Memphis, if they play him out of the slot, he could be very fantasy relevant. But if he's just a running back, then, you know, it's, it's going to be just a handcuff. Um, Smith Marset, I do like this fifth round pick. He immediately slots in as a wide receiver three on the Vikings, who really only had Thielen and Jefferson last year. There was no one else to be relevant. And, uh, while that isn't the highest, you know, passing offense out there, I think there's still value there to have a couple good weeks, uh, with Smith Marset. He's a pretty good, uh, solid wide receiver. Some other guys that kind of pop up off the, the table to me. Back in the fourth round, I do kind of like Ian Book as a very late round flyer uh, in the fifth round. He should reflect leagues just because looking at it next year, he's really the only quarterback that might be on the roster as far as we know. So whether he's just the new Taysom Hill or if he's the new Drew Brees, uh, we'll have to figure that out. Um, I wouldn't want to gamble on it, but in the fifth round of my super flex leagues, I don't mind throwing that guy on my practice squad for the next two years to see what happens. Um, he reminds me of a discount dollar store version of Russell Wilson, actually. Um, <laughs> that's so, a re-gifted dollar store. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty My bad. Um, the guy after him, Jacob Harris, this, he's six foot five, 215 pounds, runs a four, four. You know, he's a guy that is really exciting from that physical standpoint. Can't catch the ball though. He has like no hands, <laughs> but if he could, it'd be fun. Uh, he went, <laughs> he went to the Rams and I think, you know, I was saying this actually uh, a couple weeks ago about Jacob Harris. No one was talking about him and I found his tape and, you know, looking at how he plays, he would make a great tight end hmm. if you can catch the ball, of course. But, sure. and when the Rams drafted him, beat reporters immediately came out and said that the Rams had drafted him as a tight end, not a wide receiver. So, uh, I don't think he has the designation on sleeper yet, but he might get that soon. Uh, he is a great pick, I think, late in the fifth round of your rookie draft because he's probably going undrafted in most of your leagues. He's a great pick at the end of your rookie drafts and tight end premium especially just to see if he becomes anything. You know, uh, He's physical. It doesn't take a lot to be a decent tight end in fantasy football. So if he ends up getting some play uh, as the tight end two in the Rams, he could, he could be something. Um, so that kind of rounds out the fourth round for me. Looking at the fifth round, we talked about Gainwell and Marset. I like Brevin Jordan a lot. I was really disappointed by how much he fell. He was actually my tight end too in this class. And uh, he just wasn't as athletic as we expected at his pro day. Really killed him. Uh, he was been a producer since freshman year. Uh, since the moment he stepped on the field in Miami, he produced. He was actually the number one recruit for tight end over Kyle Pitts coming out of high school. So he's a guy I think we're definitely going to be sleeping on now because he was in the fifth round. Houston Texans don't really use tight ends too much. Um, and they don't have a great quarterback situation going forward. But I like that pick there. Uh, he can definitely become the top tight end in that tight end group uh, pretty quickly, I think. So. But Kahale Waring, Nate. Kahale Waring, <laughs> this is his year finally. He's going to take over the Houston tight end depth you chart. Mean, you mean Jordan Thomas? 
No, or, or, or Aikens or whoever. Or Aikens or is still uh, there. Who, yeah. yeah, who else is there? <laughs> too too many people. Um, keep going down the list. Cornell Powell, uh, the Chiefs receiver, and I don't really believe in Nicole Hardman. So I think Powell has a decent chance to be the wide receiver too. There, it's obviously still probably the uh, fourth target on the team behind Kelsey Hill and uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But Cornell Powell is a guy that they'll put on the outside. He can make some plays down the field. He's a good contested catch guy. Um, I think he's a really sneaky pick uh, in the fourth round of your rookie drafts, probably. Um, you know, he's on the Chiefs, so the upside is like unlimited. You got to take a flyer on that guy. I think um, I like him more than Nicole Hartman. So there's that. Into the sixth round, it gets really dicey. Um, <laughs> going down the list, ooh, ooh, trash, yuck, ooh. Um, <laughs> but Chris Evans landed in Cincinnati. Can we talk about that there's a man named Chris Evans now on the Bengals? And so obviously, again, Captain America shirts are about ready to be made up <laughs> for his breakout when Joe Mixon inevitably does nothing this year. You know, if we want to talk to the Bengals real quick <laughs> – there is a guy I like on the Bengals. He was undrafted free agent. You might have heard me talking about him before. His name is Puka Williams. Um, he signed with the Bengals, and I think he can be the receiving back for that team. Uh, I don't know if he'll be getting as many snaps as Gio Bernard, but I think he he's really talented and only can really probably handle five to ten touches a game. But we'll see if he makes the team. If he makes the team, I'm really all about it. Puka Williams, remember the name. That's all I got to say about that. It's um, a great name. Easy to remember. But. It is. Puka, Puka, Puka. Um, going down the list, uh, Demetric Felton. I like Demetric Felton. I think he is a decent pick for the sixth round, a good fit for that team. He's going to play a little bit of running back and I'll play a little bit of slot receiver. Uh, he's really both. I think they announced him as a wide receiver maybe. Um, so we'll see how he fits in that team, but I like what he brings to the table. Um, at best, maybe a JD McKissick kind of role. And some people like Seth Williams. I don't, so I'm going to move on, especially to the Broncos. He's going to be far down that list. Mm-hmm. Um, Daz Newsom. I love me some Daz Newsom. I think the Bears landing spot is actually great for Daz Newsom. Um, he's a great slot, slot rod receiver. I can see him having a very long, uh, um, pr- very semi-productive career where he's just a guy that sticks on a team for a very long time, uh, comes up big when you need him to, but never has the volume to really be super fantasy relevant. Um, so watch out for him, especially with fields. Now that offense has a bit more upside, I think he can be the wide receiver three on that team, especially if they ever do trade Anthony Miller. I, I don't know what's going on there. They've been trying to trade him for the past month and a half and nothing's happened. Um, maybe there's a reason because Anthony Miller isn't that good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So seventh round, a name that no one ever talked about is Mike Strachan, uh, out of Charlotte. Um, he's a big guy. I think he has that alpha role. Uh, like physical traits. I think he's like six foot five. He, you know, 225 pounds, something like that, runs a decent 40. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, outside of Michael Pittman, don't have a big receiver like that. And Paris Campbell needs to stay healthy, and T.Y. Hilton is on his way out. So mm-hmm. if you need a guy who, after your rookie drafts, you want to put on your rookie uh, taxi squad because you have some room, that could be a guy to pick up. I thought you were going to talk about Trey Nixon when you said this name that people aren't really thrown out there. He went to the Patriots, of course. So that's that's probably the biggest bummer is he went to the Patriots. So that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Trey Nixon's exciting. He has got some speed, um, but yeah, the Patriots they just signed a whole bunch of random dudes to be the wide receiver. So I don't I don't think he's any better than those random dudes. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, then- it's just kind of that's where the wide receivers go to die. 
Yeah, sure. That's true. New England. And then uh, we didn't put any on the show sheet here, uh, but any undrafted guys that you think we should keep our eyes on, um, you know, kind of once waivers open up and your rookie drafts are done, yeah. that, that we should, you know, put on the watch list and just, just keep that eyeball on them. Yeah, so like I said, Puka Williams, he signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, another guy that I liked a lot and got a pretty good landing spot for an undrafted free agent is Jonathan Adams Jr. He ended up with the Detroit Lions, who, as we know, have a void at wide receiver. Uh, Jonathan Adams is a pretty big guy. I think he's also six foot four. He had a really good pro day. Uh, I was very surprised he wasn't drafted. I thought he might have been a fourth, fifth rounder just because there wasn't a lot of big guys in this draft. So, you know, if, if they're looking for that Kenny Galladay replacement, there's not too many better in this entire draft class than Jonathan Adams. He also got paid pretty well for an undrafted free agent, which makes me think that, you know, he should have been drafted. Um, Going down the list a bit more, I like TJ Vasher, but he ended up with the Dallas Cowboys, so wide receivers are kind of irrelevant after the top three there. Um, yeah, not, not too much. I know people are going to talk about Jarrett Patterson some. Uh, he was a guy that a lot of people thought might get you know, early day three draft capital. He's one of the most productive running backs of all time in NCAA history. Uh, absolutely killed it. Had multiple games, like over 300 yards last year. So, you know, he dominated his competition. Surprised he wasn't drafted. He went to Washington, though. So, you know, at best, he's Antonio Gibson's backup. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a disappointing draft, really. really it really was. <laughs> and this is why uh, we start talking about this with all these landing spots. And I'm sure there were ideal situations for even somebody like Jared Patterson, where if he goes to this team... He, regardless of draft capital maybe, but if he goes to a spot where he can be used, then cool, we're talking about him, but he didn't, so we can't. And that is, I think, maybe the theme of this year's draft is so much potential that just didn't get the the draft capital or landing spot. Yeah, this was absolutely the worst draft for Dynasty Fantasy Football um, between the landing spots and the draft capital. Like I said, all the running backs and wide receivers dropped a lot farther than we thought. And then when they did get picked, it was guys that, are going to be irrelevant. And, uh, you know, if instead of Tutu Atwell to the Rams at 57, you know, if it was a, a different guy, um, say, for example, Seth Williams. I, I don't even like Seth Williams, but if Seth Williams had gone in the second round, we, we'd be picking him at the end of the first round in one quarterback leagues. I mean, just it just didn't work out. And it is what it is at this point. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of roll with the punches and you grab those 2022 draft picks. Right on. Yep, absolutely. All right, any last thoughts here before we let you go, um, since your show is going to be starting here shortly? Yeah, um, like I said, grab some 22 draft, 2022 draft picks. Uh, it's going to be a uh, decent class. Um, I wouldn't say it's going to be a great class, um, especially now that we were spoiled with last year's class, and then now that we have this class and we're feeling the disappointment and how good last year's <laughs> class was. Um, I don't think 2022 is going to be too much better. There's like two or three running backs who are exciting, and then it's going to be kind of rough after that, kind of like this year. Um, got some good wide receivers at the top of the class, but once again, after that, it's it gets pretty thin. Um, and quarterbacks is a crapshoot right now. We need we need to see the quarterbacks for the 2022 class because they all have big question marks. There's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no Justin Fields this year. Um, but looking in the future, if you're like just starting your rebuild, Stock up on those 2023 draft picks because that's going to be a damn <laughs> that, good That's class. the year. <laughs> that is the year. They have like six or seven running backs already that you know is, are are looking really good. So, uh, Debbie players know the 2023 class is the cream of the crop. All right, good to know. Thank you for that little uh, inside tip here into the Debbie world. So, yeah, uh, if you can we- if you can change a 2021 third 
for a 2022 or 2023 second. You know, if you don't have a guy that you really care about at that moment, why not? You know, Mm -hmm. unless you're contending, maybe you you want that. But if you're rebuilding, push it down the line. You'll get there one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just pretend you're donating to charity every year until your team uh, comes together. Yeah, and you'll be stacked eventually, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. So uh, before we let you go, why don't you tell us uh, where we can find you, what you do, all that sort of good stuff. Anything you want to promote here. Now is your time. All right. Yeah. So uh, if you want to check out my OnlyFans, it's over at. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Nate NFL. Uh, I do a lot of work with the Dynasty Rewind podcast, uh, which we're all killing it over there. It's a great group of guys. Uh, we have a Patreon that has group chat, has rankings, has articles, extra podcasts, uh, so much stuff over there. And uh, I, I love being a part of that group. Uh, you guys are, you know, nice enough to listen to us and uh, talk about how good we are as well. So uh, it's a lot of fun over there. Uh, you can also find articles and videos I do over at dynastyowner.com, which is a really cool platform where they use salary cap to kind of build your team as a different challenge. I do recommend it if you're looking for something more than just your regular dynasty league. Uh, also, I do rankings over at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, they're the ones who brought me into this space and uh, can't ever forget that. So I do rankings over there um, for their dynasty GM tool, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, that's me. If you want to check out my 30 prospects, 30 days thing that I did before the NFL draft, it's still pinned to my uh, my profile on Twitter. Unfortunately, a lot of those guys went undrafted, so maybe I should unpin that. <laughs> no, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate uh, getting your insight here onto the, the rookie draft. And yeah, definitely go check out the Dynasty Rewind. It's happening here in 13 minutes. Uh, you can catch them live on YouTube. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely, uh, uh, you should check them out. So Jake, before we get out of here, where can people find you? At Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. All right. And you can find our podcast at Drinking Fantasy, and you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Sounds good. Yeah.